2: The fate of the $118 billion bipartisan border bill that also includes funding for Israel and for Ukraine and Taiwan is currently being fought over in the Senate as they prepare to vote on the legislation later this week. But it's not smooth sailing in the House, even if it gets there. House Speaker Mike Johnson claiming the bill is dead on arrival if it makes its way to the other chamber. President Biden, meantime, making remarks on the bill earlier today from the White House and blaming former President Donald Trump. All indications are this bill won't even move forward to the Senate floor. Why? A simple reason. Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump thinks it's bad for him politically. Therefore, he doesn't, even though it helps the the country, he's not for it. He'd rather weaponize this issue than actually solve it. Meanwhile, overseas, the United States has responded to the Iranian-backed drone attack that killed three American soldiers at a base in Jordan, launching retaliatory airstrikes in Iraq and Syria late Friday afternoon. And though President Biden has made it clear that escalating conflict in the Middle East is not the goal, the president vowed to continue to respond if the aggression continues and there have been new strikes inside Yemen at the Houthis. To discuss this and more, we bring in our panel, Wall Street Journal editorial board member Bill McGurn. Fox News Congressional Correspondent Chad Pergram and Fox News Senior Political Analyst Juan Williams. All right, Chad. Uh, the president, with that, you know, speech essentially blaming Donald Trump uh, for the border crisis. Where is this bill stand right now?
0: Well, it's not in very good uh, state right now. I mean, you have Matt Gates, the Republican congressman from Florida, saying that the eulogy has already been read. His words. Uh, I tell you, this is not in a good place. And again, this was going to be a test vote that uh, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, was going to have on Wednesday, not actual final passage, but a test vote where you have to get 60 votes. The goal we were told for you know, several weeks is that they wanted to get a majority of all Republican senators. So 25 of 49 to be for this, and then probably have a few on the Democratic side who'd be opposed and they'd probably get well over 60 votes for this. Uh, you know, they're nowhere near that right now. And so Mitch McConnell, kind of reading the the room here with his conference, turned around and said, you know, well, if it's not going to pass uh, th- this procedural hurdle, maybe we should dial back and go back and recalibrate. I mean, you know, they always say on Capitol Hill, when you have the votes, you vote. And John Kennedy, the Republican senator from Louisiana, said a few days ago, he said, I think maybe they had the votes earlier in January and we had this tarrying, this dithering for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Every other day they said, oh, we have a deal, we're going to release bill text, and then it never came. We were even told last week it was going to come out on Friday, and then it finally came out about 6.45 on Sunday night. And nobody liked it. Now, there's a flip side of this. Yes, you're right. The Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, said it was dead on arrival even before he got it. Steve Scalise, the majority leader, said he would not schedule a vote on it. But uh, you have uh, some other people, and I'm told some some moderate Republicans here in the House of Representatives who are very upset with their leadership for killing this out of hand when some of them said, well, maybe we'd like to actually consider this. And then you have somebody like Dan Crenshaw, a Republican uh, congressman from Texas, who said that the leadership on the Republican side of the aisle abdicated responsibility and authority. They said, well, you know, we have the majority in the house. You have an independent Senator who caucuses with the Democrats. You have a democratic Senator in Chris Murphy and you have James Lankford. That's not a fair deal. And they said, why wasn't the, uh, the, uh, the Republican leadership negotiating with the white house on this. And so he kind of was very, uh, critical Congressman Crenshaw was of the GOP leadership. So this is not going anywhere anytime soon. And the big story yeah. in this Brett is that Mitch McConnell may have misread his conference and what he's starting to see, the same thing that other speakers of the House have had, he doesn't have control of his people, which Mitch McConnell had for years.
2: Years and years, that's right. Bill McGurn, uh, the Wall Street Journal editorial page supported this, saying it's a border bill that deserves to be passed. Uh, It's also a funding bill for Ukraine and Israel, and there's a lot in there. The Border Patrol Union chief is urging Congress to pass the border bill. But Republican conservatives have some real problems with what's inside, and they're just saying no go.
3: Yeah, I think uh, Chad is right. Um, the reaction is coming from the bottom, and people are rebelling against the bill. I'm not sure any kind of uh, bill would have worked. Um, I, I agree with our page. I thought it was a reasonable first start on the immigration problem, also maybe um Distant from some Republicans, I support the funding for Ukraine and Israel. Um, there's a lot of blame to go around. Certainly, Donald Trump is big on he didn't want the deal, and a lot of Republican politicians are afraid of crossing him. But I think you know a lot of this is uh, President Biden. He promised to unify the country, and he never goes out and pushes for what he wants and explains to the American people. Uh, what he's doing and why. And he's he's even silent on Iran, uh, largely silent on Israel, in terms of like an address to the nation. You know, when I was working for Bush, every time he did something, the surge, war funding, he made a national address to the people. And when the president abdicates that role, all sorts of fractious voices take over. I I think there's a lot of blame to go around, but um, I think the president bears uh, a big,
2: Part of that. Yeah, Juan, you know, the president in this speech saying that uh, Donald Trump is to blame, saying uh, the immigration system is broken, and that if this is not happening, the reason, this is a quote, a simple reason, Donald Trump, he thinks it's bad for him politically. Uh, And then goes on to say the border problem is now Trump's problem. That in reality is pretty rich in year two and a half to three of saying it wasn't a crisis, not moving off the ball, and yet this bill that has Ukraine funding in it, somehow it's the priority, the number one priority, whereas you could do executive orders and change a lot tomorrow.
1: Well, you know, to me, just looking from the outside for a second, I think, boy, Republicans used to beat Democrats like a drum on immigration, and it worked in terms of voter response. Voters overwhelmingly say they prefer Republicans to deal with immigration in the border. But now, given what has happened, I think that it may be more like a jump ball. And I say that because I, the president rightly said today, this is toxic politics. Republicans have been calling for more support For resources on the border, tougher rules about immigration, and you have the border union, the the men and women who are on the border, you have the Chamber of Commerce in terms of our major corporate presence in terms of their attitude towards immigration, and as Bill McGurn just said, the Wall Street Journal editorial paid gold standard of conservative opinion, all saying this is a good deal. This is a deal in which Democrats are making major concessions, but you have former President Trump saying, oh, no, this is not a good deal. Don't do it. It would be terrible. So it would be bad for Trump, but good for the nation. And according to major conservative voices, good for the Republican Party. And I think that's why you see people saying this is about Trump and about the politics of the moment, because he sees that he would not have this issue to continue to hammer Joe Biden and the Democrats on going into the fall election. Fair enough on the politics, but I think
2: most conservatives phrase it like Bill just did, which is it's a good first step. There's a lot to do. Also, there are some loopholes in here, Juan, including moving any uh, legal uh, situation that deals with what's happening on the border to Washington, D.C. Now, why would you move the jurisdiction to Washington, D.C.? Uh, you know, conservatives would say, well, there's a court there that's pretty friendly uh, to administration uh, politics when it comes to left-leaning stuff, you know, that juries decide. Um, that's why. Number two is this 5,000-person limit. You, you, the president said the numbers, when they hit 5,000, we could shut down the border. Well, I mean, it's been over 5,000 for weeks and weeks and weeks, months at a time. There are millions of people who have gotten in under Joe Biden. And now it's going to hit this 5,000 marker and suddenly he's going to have the ability? He had the ability on day one, One.
1: Well, I think, one, the U.S. Supreme Court recently ruled control of the border remains a federal prerogative and it's not to be interfered with by the states and I think the effort no it is say, his prerogative he could do it he could have you, done it on day one he's passed 94 well, executive I'm orders. just saying what you saw from Texas Governor Abbott was an effort to say oh we're gonna put in our own razor wire we're gonna take control of this border because it's out it.
2: of control Juan it's out of control
1: right. well that's right I think you know for the longest time Democrats were reluctant to use this crisis language obviously in the polling this is a big issue for republicans much bigger than for democrats or independents but let's agree that we have a problem given the obvious numbers right now crossing the border illegally even as they attempt to take advantage of u.s law that allows people to come to the united states under amnesty uh, protection from political uh, persecution even economic distress but let's say we have an issue so then, what can you do? And here comes an opportunity to do something. As I said before, major concessions coming from Democrats. There's no talking here of amnesty. There's no talking here of the dreamers, young people who came to this country illegally but were brought by their parents at a very young age. None of that, which has been past priorities for Democrats. And somehow, for an unmentioned reason, but I'll suggest when Donald Trump Republicans are somehow turning their backs on what they've been asking for. That's pretty obvious.
2: Chad, there's a lot of talk up there about different parts of the bill that are problematic. Not only the 5,000, but also, you know, all of these beds. They want to close down the border, prevent it. Uh, They don't want to continue what has happened. There is a major change in the bill, though, which is why these Border Patrol agents are saying it's the tools that we need now.
0: Right. And this is where, you know, some Democrats have been critical of Republicans saying, you know, we're trying to legislate. Why would you abdicate your legislative authority and tell the administration, let's do something. You have the tools. Why don't we do something legislatively? And in fact, the fact that uh, some of this bill goes too far for many liberals. You know, we talked about this on Special Report. Last Friday, where we had uh, Nana Barragon, who's the Democratic Representative from Los Angeles. She is the chair of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, and said that she felt like the congressional hispanic caucus and 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 many progressives were cut out of the discussions, didn't like what she was hearing about asylum, did not like what she was hearing about parole. You've had Bob Menendez, the Democratic Senator from New Jersey, and Alex Padilla, the Democratic Senator from uh, California, be opposed to this. And Dick Durbin, the Democratic whip, you know, he was pretty milquetoast uh, in supporting this because, you know, he's been a big advocate for, for dreamers and a pathway to citizenship for some of those dreamers and, and so on. And he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll support it. But you, you know, so, so yeah. that, th- that was significant Bob that you Menendez, had just to folks. be clear, yeah.
2: Bob Menendez needs to stir the pot instead of gold bars. So <laughs> well, you know, he's, <laughs> he's got to do anything else besides that. Exactly.
0: But, but he's somebody who has been outspoken on these issues for a long time. And still he has a vote in the Senate. And if he was not going to vote on the democratic side of the aisle, as I say, it's on the math, they have to, you know, come up with a Republican vote and they certainly didn't have the Republican votes there, Brett.
2: Was it backwards bill for the Republicans to say, listen, we're not going to do Ukraine aid unless we have the border stuff. And then Democrats came forward with the border stuff not to the liking of Republicans, but did and bent over backwards from in their mind of where they were willing to go and then put Ukraine in there and Israel and then Republicans said, no, 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 that doesn't work. I mean, as politically, does that take?
3: I, I don't know, because the people who um, gave us that strategy there it looks like they're not, there's not going to be funding for Ukraine and there's not going to be a border deal. So, uh, and I don't think they're unhappy about that. I just want to uh, pick up a little bit on what um, Wanda said about um, the politics. Um, we don't know how it will turn out yet, but I suspect that the types like us uh, in Washington that follow politics put more emphasis on deals and people um, voting according to the deals, I think uh, two things are gonna matter to the American Republic when uh, they go to the polls on immigration. One is they know the problem um, ballooned under Joe Biden and he denied it for so long. And second, I think we have clashes ahead. Uh, I agree with Juan that I think the federal government has the better the argument in Texas, but I think we're going to see images of a Texas Republican putting up a wire to keep uh, migrants out, and the Federal Border Patrol under Joe Biden's orders cutting it down. What does that say about immigration? Who wants to do it? So I'm not sure it's going to hurt Republicans at the poll. I I think it's hurt by mudding all these issues. Again, I would like to see Joe Biden. Come out and explain why we're funding Ukraine, uh, what he wants to do, what the goals are with the uh, border. And then the Republicans should answer in kind what they want to put it to the American people. But I don't think we're going to get that.
2: Panel, we'll hold it right there.
3: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter, and I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to
1: FoxNewsPodcasts.com.
2: You also have the images of illegal immigrants beating up New York City police officers and then getting out without bail and going across the country. That story went through the roof. Uh, as far as clicks and viral moments, and people are saying, "Wait, what is happening here?" Then you've got um, immigrants, migrants, illegal people inside the country getting a thousand dollar credit cards because uh, to pay for food. Well, there are welfare moms and there are all kinds of people out on the street in New York um, that have a hard time putting two meals together. And um, and they're upset. So, Juan, I mean, to Bill's point, the images of the incidents uh, may transcend
1: the politics of the bill. Yeah, well, the images have, in fact, gone through the roof. But the question comes back to something Bill touched on, which is, what are the Republican proposals here? H.R. Uh, 2. I don't think so. I think it's more like, Uh, no, we're going to defy the federal government. We're not going to listen to the Supreme Court. We don't have to listen to them. I mean, people at some point are going to say, you know, you guys need some real, honest proposals that can get support, that can get bipartisan support of the kind that's evident in the bill that's on the table that's being rejected, apparently, for political reasons. What's the difference between
2: HR2, Chad, and what we are seeing today? On the main right. points when it comes to immigration, what's the main difference?
0: Yeah. Th- this thing goes a little deeper here. There is more funding for the border wall. Uh, there is strict I mean, I mean, there's basically no provisions at all for some of these asylum issues and, and, and parole things like that. Uh, I mean, they would probably have to have more uh, money appropriated for, for border to execute it. And the other thing that I would say about H.R. 2 right now is even though the House of Representatives passed that last spring and says, that's the thing that we should go on. Obviously, we've talked about that not having a chance in the House, in the Senate. There's no way that bill could pass the House right now based on the vote matrix in the House of Representatives. And this is where sometimes, yeah, I mean, that's the irony in this. So even if you got, you know, the Senate to bite on a little bit of this, uh, you know, they probably wouldn't be able to, to, to pass that back over here. The other thing, again, and this is where sometimes uh, people have noted and Democrats in particular said Republicans it's- are talking out of both sides of their mouth where they say, okay, pass HR2, but no, we don't want to pass anything because the president should have the operational tools to do things. And then they say that he has the operational tools to do things. And they say, yeah, but we don't trust him and Alejandro Mayorkas to enforce them. So we should just wait till the fall. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, the politics of this are really challenging right now in Capitol Hill.
2: On the flip side, Bill, what's the politics of the White House and President Biden saying he's going to veto a standalone funding for Israel? Of seventeen point six billion dollars. Yeah, Here, I don't. Our, our number one ally, or one of them, is you know in a in a bind. Uh, there are a lot of Jewish Americans who really feel like the administration needs to step up uh, in the in the face of all of these protests around the country and at college campuses. And he's going to veto a standalone fund Israel bill.
3: Well, I have to say we're not surprised that the journal. We've been warning all along that though Joe Biden's initial response to October 7th was very strong, he seems to be walking away from it quietly. Um, and uh, uh, his actions are seen now is not quite as friendly to Israel. I'm not sure that helps him. I, I, again, I agree with Chad and uh, Juan that the politics are just a mess now. Everything's running together. I'm not entirely convinced even though it's not what i what i believe like i would have signed the bill I'm for Israel aid and for a ukrainian aid uh, i'm not entirely sure republicans are the ones who are going to pay for this if he vetoes the israeli funding bill that's standalone i don't see how that's good for him maybe in the left wing the party that's chanting genocide joe outside the white house but i don't see that that boosts him um i think there are a lot of traps for him coming up. He is the president, after all. And as Truman says, the buck stops here. Rightly or wrongly, you're blamed for things that happen when you're president.
2: Yeah. And Chad, real quick, is if they put up a Ukraine standalone bill that would fall?
0: Not necessarily. I have had multiple conversations with senior Democratic sources since December and they have said to me that could they have a discharge petition. This is where you bypass the leadership. These are very rarely successful, but in this case, it might work for a Ukraine only bill, in other words, you need an outright majority of the entire house to do this and that there would be support to go over the head of the speaker who appears to oppose funding for Ukraine and it would be a coalition of Democrats and Republicans. And I wonder if they might go that route. If the Israel bill blows up, the border bill, blows up and this is the only thing that's left standing on the table. And that could probably get through the Senate with 60 votes, frankly, too.
2: Now you talk about politics Juan. they do that they fund Ukraine and don't get a deal on Israel and don't get a deal on the border, that's some politics.
1: That's, that's, that's again, you know, it, there's been lots of people talking about, you know, President Truman going on the campaign trail and saying, what is this Congress? What, this is a do-nothing Congress and attacking the Congress. I think this is opening the door to just that. I think we heard it today when Biden was talking about toxic politics. I don't think there's any argument across political lines you know, that Israel is our friend and we should be supportive. Uh, I don't think that there's any question, uh, there's some doubt on, you know, the Freedom Caucus types about the level of support for Ukraine, but not that we should be opposing Russian intervention and aggression. So at some point, people have to say, well, who gets blamed here? You can say, well, people are going to have doubts and say, well, you know, who's in the White House, who's the president? But at some point, you also have to say, it looks like the House majority Republicans are making themselves a very convenient target for a president who's still struggling in the polls. And finally, Bill, to your point, you know, a
2: president has a really powerful bully pulpit, whether it is one-on-one interviews, press conferences, or just speeches on topics. President George W. Bush in the, facing dismal polls on Iraq, you know, did the search did it in afghanistan did it in iraq despite the poll numbers but he kept talking about it in front of the american people and everybody knew what he was going to do president yeah, biden uh, doesn't use that at all in fact not doing the super bowl interview he's the the fewest number of interviews to this point in the past four presidents and you know there's a real question whether he's going to do debates
3: yeah you're absolutely right brett and i speak from personal experience as the person responsible for the surge speech. When he came out for a different strategy with more troops, no one wanted to hear that. Everyone, including a lot of conservatives, uh, wanted the president to say, we're out of Iraq. And he gave his reasons. And he announced a policy, which was a success. And I think if you look back at it, it holds up really well. I cannot see Joe Biden doing the same. I just don't see him. He's not willing to defend his own policies except to make a snide remark about MAGA or something. Um, And he really could appeal to Republicans uh, on, for example, Ukraine, uh, invoke Ronald Reagan. Would Ronald Reagan uh, turn his back on a European nation that asking for help against Russia and the aggression that we've seen from Russia, um, plus all the other trouble spots, China, um, Taiwan, North Korea, Iran. I think he could do it in a way that appealed to the center and got um, some Republicans on board, but he just won't do it.
2: Yeah, and now the loudest voice in the room gets the attention, and those voices tend to be people who say Ukraine the funding should be pulled entirely and there should be it should let putin roll i guess um which is quite something in this environment so with that thank you panel and now for a bit of history when president chester a arthur moved into the white house in 1881 he decided the place needed a bit of a makeover Though without the money needed for his home improvement project, President Arthur decided to get creative to collect enough cash. His solution was selling off 24 wagon loads of precious historic relics, including one of John Quincy Adams' hats and a pair of pants owned by Abraham Lincoln. His expensive taste didn't stop there. Uh, The president was also known for his luxurious wardrobe, leading him to being coined Elegant Arthur. There you go, a little history. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Chad, Bill, and Juan, I'm Brett There. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.